0: welcome to wild perspectives this is a podcast about whitewater kayaking mostly geared towards beginners but welcome we welcome anyone to join us my name's nick murray i've been paddling for about 10 years uh, i've been all over west virginia mexico canada different places just to get out there and see what the world has to offer and i really enjoy mostly dropping over waterfalls i haven't done many but the ones i have were amazing and we got sam joining us He's going to be our co-host for the rest of these podcasts until the day we both pass away. So, Sam, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm Sam Setliff. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Boating on and off since I was 15. I'm 27 now. I like, Kind of like Nick, I kind of enjoy waterfalls. That's kind of my thing. It's a huge rush. I've paddled pretty much all over the... East Coast, man, I've been everywhere. I've been out to Colorado, California. My goal is to paddle
0: more in Canada, being my wife's Canadian,
1: and I'll be paddling a Canadian boat, Seoul, soon, so
0: yeah. That's right, eh? Have you been to Canada at all? Yeah,
1: so we we were there at the beginning of the year, right after we got married in Costa Rica, so we like ran off and oh, got married.
0: Oh, that's sick.
1: Yeah, we went and visited her family, which Costa Rica would be a great place to
0: go back and paddle. So I'd like to go give that a shot. Oh yeah, my mom's always wanted to go mostly to see the sloths.
1: Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of things there to see. I, I would say probably the most entertaining is probably going to be the Lady Boys. But you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> I heard a lot of the stuff there wants to kill you, kind of like Austro- what they say about Australia. Yeah, but
1: I, I, would, al- I would also argue that that's uh, Alabama too, so there's not really any difference.
0: <laughs> Understandable.
1: So so what have you been paddling lately? You've gone boating
0: any? Not much recently. Throughout the summer I did probably the Upper Yawk about a dozen times and got really comfortable on it where I could start doing your non-standard lines and actually playing more on it, which is a lot more fun. Recently I guess the last thing I did was a couple of weekends ago, the lower golly. That's a lot of fun. Should have done the upper, but it was like cold and rainy and they were doing the marathon, which is the upper, the middle and the lower. And I didn't want to do that on my first run to the upper. That might've been a tiring day, especially because the lower itself is a tiring day. So I can't imagine all that in one.
1: Yeah. Back to back would probably, probably slam you out for the day.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You'd be exhausted and sore.
1: Yeah. But at least you're getting better seat time than me since like since we moved to Florida. So, we in the closest whitewater I get is Montgomery whitewater, which I mean is cool in perspective, but I'm getting kind of burned out on the concrete and road rash. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same thing over and over. Yeah, with well, this, there's, there's, there's really not, I'm guessing, there's really not many eddies you can catch. They're all pretty swirly.
1: Yeah, that's so that's like something that's kind of new in a way. And it's, it's an interesting concept there. All the eddies are extremely intense. They're really bubbly, really swirly. They're recirculating back into the holes and the waves. So I, I find that it would be a super challenging place for new paddlers to boat. But I, but I also, with that being said, think that it would be a place where if you grew there and that was what you were used to, well then you would probably excel much further on real on real water. So
0: yeah, and you would think something like that that's man-made would be made more geared towards beginners, not.
1: But you know, it's it's kind of its own thing. I mean, have you ever have you ever like, paddled at Charlotte?
0: No, but I went there, but I didn't paddle.
1: Yeah, kind of similar. It's now, mind you, it's been several years since I've been, but kind of similar similar things I've got going on there. Mind you, I would say that like as a new boater, if I had to pick one of one or the other, I probably would like pick Charlotte, especially with guys who are eager to teach me something. Yeah, yeah, a bit more room to learn there, a bit more features, but overall, you know, they both have their pros and cons.
0: Okay. Is the water nice and warm or is it chilly?
1: Yeah. So this summer at Montgomery, that was pretty much all I got to paddle this summer. I mean, there were days where it was like a hundred degrees, hundred plus in Montgomery. And so you'd see water temperatures sometimes be up in the nineties. And in all honesty, you get one lap done and you're uh, facing heat exhaustion. The water's not oh, cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it really, it really was, in my opinion, it was kind of a dangerous game to play too much in the summer. You had to have time to cool off. So you were spending money for the drive there plus spending money to be in the park. I think, uh, I think that you really like, it was hard for me to get my money's worth is what it felt like driving three hours to do it and then making a lap and feeling like I'm going to throw up or pass out. Nice. <laughs> plus I was like, the only boat that I had this summer was a creek boat. It's not really the place that you want a creek boat cause you want to have fun. Yeah. And, you know, try, try different things. And the creek boat's just what it is. You know, I can, I can bomb the whole thing and,
0: yeah, you definitely want to play boat if you're going to a whitewater center,
1: which is exactly why we bought the Monster. So,
0: Hell. yeah, my wife's like uh, a little over six
1: foot, and I'm uh, like right six four, and so that's kind of the only play boat that we're gonna be super comfortable in. So,
0: damn, you're both giants. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, it's just
1: like kind of a weird thing because it's uh, it's a hard sport to do when you're a big guy it's a pretty like average size joe dominated sport and i think that with equipment and, and just gear and boats you're gonna have a hard time as a big guy getting into it and being comfortable in it so i'm kind of eager to try to help out other big guys who are getting into it whether it be for weight loss purposes or you know just uh, trying to find uh, a good community for support because that's definitely what this community is
0: yeah, it makes sense. They definitely don't have many brands that offer stuff, especially boats for bigger people. It's mostly Soul and Jackson. That's all that I know of. Yeah, and that's
1: that's like one thing is like it's kind of a like being from Timothy, like it's weird for some people. I'm not like a crazy big Jackson fan. I like I like their boats, like boat design. It's they they make great boats. Not I've not been like a crazy big fan of the plastic, just in my experiences. I, I tend to wear them out a bit more. But, you know, you have to kind of give it to them. They meet a market that not a lot of other boat companies meet. And so it is what it is. I'm not crazy about their outfitting or plastic, but here we are. I own one. so
0: Yeah, They, I've heard that. I don't know much about boat manufacturing, but what I've heard is that their plastics are very thin. There's a guy, John Sue in D.C., who makes hand paddles for people in the D.C. area, and he donates the proceeds to TRR, but he said that he doesn't like to use Jackson boats because the plastic is so thin and the hand paddles flex too much. And I think yeah, I-, and I think one of the reasons that people use Jackson boats is because they're so easy to outfit and move around with, the, sure. with those uh, strings, or as my friend likes to call it, tampon strings. Yeah. And makes it easier to make those micro adjustments. But the problems that I've had with it is that they come out way too easily. Even if you push them down and seat them in well, after a while they wear out. And after paddling in a dagger rewind on the yacht, I was like, why am I torturing myself in my antics? Like, yeah. I like to have the boat that's nice and secure and doesn't move around. Whereas I love my rock star because. In my biased opinion, Jackson makes the best playboat. That's why they're all winning the competitions. And no one else is coming close. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would, I would agree. I think, like, just in my experience in the Monstar, like, sure, I might have to pop skirt and tighten up the back band a little bit on it, but overall, like, the performance of it, it's super fun. It's super comfortable. It's pretty affordable. And, like on the used boat market, like, they're they're, at, they're pretty affordable. Yeah, I mean, don't have too many complaints with it, other than just, like, I'm not crazy about the outfitting, and I would say that this boat will only last us one season, with the both of us using it the way we do, yeah. but there's things you can do to make boats last longer, like, maybe don't seal launch down the stairs, and, you know, or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, you know, but overall, man, I, I don't want to talk too much shit, because I I do enjoy the part. <laughs> but you know, that's like something that everybody likes the outfitting about Jackson, because, like, I mean, you can adjust it to yourself pretty fast. I mean, I could hop in a boat and then paddle it and you could hop in it right after me. And within 10 minutes, we're going to have you in there pretty comfortable. And I think that that's something that's, that really intrigued me with like soul. I, like I recently ordered the Bigfoot. I demoed it last weekend with Sam, my buddy. It was, it was pretty cool, man. The outfitting's very similar to, to Jackson as in like bulkhead wise. A bulkhead adjustments were super easy. They're a rope system. The concept is somewhat the same, but definitely a little bit stouter. I liked that. So yeah, I'm, I'm super eager for that. I'm I'm eager to try something more innovative on the market that's sturdy.
0: Make sure you use coupon code SOUL to get 20% off. <laughs> we are not sponsored by SOUL.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I just, you know, just kind of back to the topic of like
0: gear in general. That was like, that's been my big thing as like a
1: big guy. Is just finding the right gear, knowing what to get and still trying to do it in affordable, like in affordable ways. I'm sure you've you've struggled with the same issues.
0: Definitely affordability. I see Jackson as kind of like the apple of the kayaking industry. They're yeah. expensive, hold their value, they're quality and easy to use and adjust. And the downsides being they don't really, there's not much innovation, but that's probably most brands because I feel like you can only make a kayak And so many different shapes and change so many things so after Mm -hmm. a while you're kind of just copying each other going after old designs and bringing new life to them yeah
1: which you know with that being said it's like who am i to critique boat design at the same time Exactly.
0: i don't have the skills like good for them
1: (laughs) and then you know i i can get out there and i and i can paddle it to the best of my abilities right so i can hop in this boat and I might be able to surf okay in it, but let's just be real. There's somebody out there who's, who's flipping it, who's, you know, having a blast in it. And that's just not, that's not where I'm at. So who am I to critique the design of this boat? Exactly. Um, My boating ability is not even being able to push it to its limits. So I try to stay out of those waters as much as possible.
0: (laughs) I like to say there's no bad boat. It's just a bad boat for you. No,
1: yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I see people all the time that are still boating boats from like the like 2000, 2006 era, which you know, when I first got into boating when I was fifteen, like, that was what I could afford, and those boats were so uncomfortable, man. Like holy shit! And then there's always that there's always that guy that's that bought one off Facebook Marketplace two years ago that he's like, this is the best boat I've ever had. Yep, I'm-
0: that's how that's what I started in was ten I think the Milan came out piranha yeah, playboat. Yeah. It's pretty well. Yeah. I started in the Piranha Fusion, which is a crossover kayak. And then after using that for a couple years, I switched over to the Milan and pretty much playboated most of my kayaking. And it wasn't the comf- that comfortable. It was probably a little bit too big, but it got me down a bunch, and I learned a lot from it. And then eventually, I got a Jackson Rockstar 2016. Yep. Sold that, which I shouldn't have because it was awesome, but I needed the money. And then I went to a Milan Medium, which fit better, but it definitely doesn't stern squirt as easy as a rockstar does, and then went back to a rock star.
1: Yeah, so you know, do you remember? You remember Necky, like all the Necky boats that you used to see on the market all the time, like it sounds they, familiar. Yeah, they, so Necky made a lot of flat water boats, but they also they were pretty pretty decent into the whitewater industry for a long time. My first boat was like a Necky Crux, and it, it's a it was a creek boat. Yeah, man. <laughs> It was weird, bro. And I remember, like, being 15, thinking that that was the coolest shit ever. Until I hopped on <laughs> Piranha for the first time and experienced what good outfitting was. Yeah. From that point forward, I was just like, "Yeah, man." Which I think a lot of people hate the Piranha outfitting. No, I was more terrible. So, yeah, I'm talking about the stability. Of it. <laughs> being stay in my boat was crazy. Yeah.
0: It's definitely not comfortable at all. I
1: know. And I, yeah, I've got wide hips, and Piranha makes super narrow boats, so.
0: So I'm going to hop into one of the topics that we came up for today, which is finding safe paddlers to kayak with. Oh yeah. So how did you, how did you get introduced to the sport and find people to paddle with in the beginning?
1: Oh, it was, it was bad in the beginning, man. And I think, I think anybody with any real experience in boating is going to probably have some sort of horror story at the beginning. I I was super, I, I was super interested in it for years but finally, just pulled the trigger and saw a whitewater boat on Facebook Marketplace. I did little to no research, bought it, and this guy that I was friends with in Chattanooga—he he was doing a little bit of whitewater boating—and he took me to um, the Hawassi River. And I'd never been in a whitewater boat before, never spent any time outfitting it. Man, it was cold as shit that day, man. It was freezing. Had no, had no proper gear. I think I was wearing like a damn Walmart D. <laughs> It was it was bad, man. And uh, I should have never been on the water. I wish he would have told me, hey, maybe we spend some time at the lake at first. But we went, and I probably had 15 swims, and it almost burnt me out, man. I was like, this is bullshit.
0: Like oh, I shit. would, do-
1: yeah. And uh, it took time. I had to like cultivate those friendships. It was you know meeting people at the takeout, and you talk to them for a bit, tell them your struggles. I always found that like older boaters were easier to talk to and be around because. Oh, nice. Yeah, man, they weren't out trying to run class fives, they were just trying to enjoy their weekend and you could go up to them and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. What do you know? And they'd be like, Tag along on a class one, two run and let me let's show you some things. And so it took time to cultivate, but eventually, you know, I think social media pushed me into it a lot with making the friends. You know, you you see just a, a boater with a them running whatever in their profile picture, you're like, Yeah, I'll add you to <laughs> I always
0: Actually, accept those people, even if I don't know them. As long as they got a kayak, it could be spam accounts. I don't care. If they got a kayak in their photo, I'm accepting it.
1: You know, like, that's how you and I became friends. I don't know if you knew that. Like, yep. I just ratted you one day, Ben, and <laughs> I consider you a good friend now. So, yeah, I think I think just social media, taking a, taking a breath, don't get discouraged, and then just, like, find reputable people. People, you'll, you'll find reputable people, like Hunter White, for example. I think he's an amazing voter, super reputable guy, because – a lot of other boaters invested in you know like they're like yeah, yeah. like he he's, he's he's vetted he's out here teaching people how to do it this is uh this is a good guy to boat with and i have and i've been super happy with that so i think just read the room take your time
0: oh definitely one thing i want to go back to is you mentioned just being kind of thrown onto the river in the cold i think it's important especially after teaching with potomac paddle sports at first i was kind of adverse to it of getting people out on flat water for hours on end before they even ever get on whitewater. And it, we kind of went to so the point with Eli was you don't get out in the flat, in the whitewater classes until you have a role. And at first, yeah. I was kind of against that, but the more we did it, I kind of grew on it because especially if you're in a group, it makes the most sense because you don't want to be out on whitewater and everyone's swimming. It's just having that role really increases your confidence and makes for a better day. And then you're not going to burn out or get scared as easily if you have that role first. And how I got into the sport was through this guy we went to church with introduced my dad and I to the Red Conewago Club in or the Baltimore Club in Red Lion, Pennsylvania, and that's how I met most of the people that I know is through roll sessions, going to kayaking beginner events. It's I went through three three years of beginner classes for me to really get into it. Yeah, and there's no shame in having to take multiple years of classes to get to it. It took me three years for my role or some people they'll get it the first try or within a few days. Yeah. And you also mentioned about like older people always being welcoming. I think that's part of, because they've been through their younger youth of where they went and sent class five and chased the shit. So now they're to the point where they just want to introduce other people into the sport and get them hooked as well. So then they can go and do the same thing.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that uh, you find a lot of quality and wisdom. And uh, you, you find boaters. I find a lot of boaters that are capable of Class 5 runs are on the Nanahala. They're weekend warriors on the Hawassi. And it's because they're really spending time working their skills,
0: practicing
1: their skills. And I find a, le- a lot of boaters on Class 4 and 5. Does that make sense? Like,
0: Oh, that makes complete sense because... People's all, people have always said that you can make a class two or three river into a class four with doing the right stuff and really working the river. Yeah. And a lot of the people who are higher skilled are that way because they went on easier stuff, worked it, and then also taught it to other people. The best way to get good at something is by teaching it. If you can't teach it, then you're probably not that good at it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so I've, I've got a friend named Tony, man. I, he was my paddle buddy for a while um, until I moved. One of the one of the probably fastest like growing boaters that I've ever seen. Mind you, he puts in a shit ton of seat time. But when you start like looking at the way he did it, man, it wasn't he, he wasn't going and jumping on the Okoy. I mean, me and him spent three months on the Hawasi. We ran the Hawasi every weekend for three months, man. And that's what he does now, man. He spends his time on the okoy. He's on the Okoy all the time. He's he's really honing his skills, and then he whenever he feels like he's ready, he steps up he's not like trying to swallow a pill that's too big for him and they aspire to be a boater like that and then once again like you were saying he's a phenomenal teacher it's because he he's good at what he does
0: and it's really important that you take your time and don't try to push it or rush it into rivers that you probably shouldn't be on and i think that happens a lot during festivals like golly fest because right after you see a bunch of videos of so much carnage and people beatering all over the place Mm because they're they're stepping up to rivers they probably shouldn't be on because there's so much safety there and we've, it's, I think it's something we've all done. 2018, when we had a bunch of rains, I went to cheat fests for the first time. I did cheat for the first time, which is like class three, some four. Then did the upper yacht for the first time. And then the following day, the lower Big Sandy. Mm-hmm. And the cheat I was ready for, but like the upper yacht and lower Big Sandy, not so much. I was in a Waka Gangsta, which is a very high volume boat, way too big for me. And I was out of control, just, like, getting in the way of people. I just shouldn't have been on there. It doesn't help that the people I was with and that were showing me down that river were not people that I should be paddling with, and I know that now. Yeah. Because one of the first things they said to me was, oh, you don't need your throw rope. And that's, like, some basic thing that you should have. But I was like, okay, you know better, and at the end of the day, this rope's for you. It's not really for me. So, I'll leave it behind, that's fine. But yeah, just I mean, we all have those bad experiences on the river where we try to step up to something we shouldn't have.
1: No, and I think that like that's that would be a phenomenal indicator that somebody's probably not who you should be boating with, especially if they're saying, "Hey, you have these safety features available. You you have these crucial safety features available for your boating career. Don't take that with you because exactly. that may would you be less prepared? I mean, I take my I take my throwback with me on class one, two, you know. I'm yeah, like, it's always good to
0: have it. It's so easy to just throw in the back of your boat. And I think yeah. it's something even like the higher level boaters forget to do. Because when I go to the Upper Yacht, even I forget, like when we go out to watch the main spots, National Falls, when we all get out of our boats, none of us bring our ropes with us. We just leave it in our boats, which is something we should always carry with us. Even though it's a rapid that you get out of easily, it's still good to have just in case because someone could find the only rock there and pin on it and then no one's prepared or ready.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, I think with that being said, another topic we should definitely touch on whether we do tonight or another time is like not only having the equipment but having the knowledge for the equipment yep. and having it ready. I mean, man, it does not help you if you do not have it
0: ready. Yep. You always have to be able if you're if you have the gear with you, you need to know how to use it. Or if you yeah. or if you or if you have something like a rescue PFD, at least let the people with you n- know that yeah i have it but i don't know how to use all the features
1: yeah no and i mean i'll my wife and i were talking about that tonight like she's still a pretty new boater i've gotten complacent i was like hey this like this 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 coming season we're getting into rescue rodeos again we are going to do some swift water training like I, we're going to get into anything that we can make time for and because i think it's that important i don't you're a fool to get on anything any white water without having at least rescue rodeo. I mean, that's just, that's insane.
0: Yeah. And that's a good way. Another good way to find people is by taking those swiftwater classes, because it shows you, Hey, these are also other people who are responsible and want to learn more. And these are people I want to paddle with. If you are paddling with people and you never see them at any of these classes, this kind of shows you probably don't want, can't trust them. Cause there's yeah. definitely some people that I've paddled with or still do where I wouldn't put my life in their hands, but I know I'm skilled enough on that river where I don't need to worry about them um, rescuing me. I can pretty much take care of myself, which is yeah. not the best feeling to have. I'd rather have people that I can trust all the time.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think you're going to vote with people, and I'm sure you, you currently do. I mean, I, I know that I currently do. People who are, in a sense, reputable that have lost a lot of skills that they should still have. And they they're too prideful to say, Hey, it's been three years, four years since I've practiced this skill. I need to brush up on it because they're too prideful. Oh, well, I'm a class five boater. I'm well-known
0: in the community.
1: I don't want to go to a rescue rodeo yeah. on a river for a weekend, dude, go like, be an example. That's the best yeah. time.
0: To- and they're, they can be pretty cheap. Like, you you don't have to f- fork out a bunch of money for some of these, like, all the yeah. ones I've done were like $20 through a club. Yeah. And that's
1: like, I don't know, like in the Chattanooga area, there's like TBC, um, Tissy Valley Canoe Club. They, they do a phenomenal one that I've gone to several times throughout the years. And usually it's like, it's like $50 and you go, it's a couple days, but at the end of it, like they're giving you stuff. They're giving you a t-shirt and a throw rope. Like you're, you're the stuff that would, you, you gave them the money for, they've bought equipment for you. So that's essentially awesome. it's free of money off of
0: you. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And then also like not just swift water. There's wilderness first aid. There's so many yeah. classes you can take. I mean, the more prepared you are and the more skills you have, the better you're off on the river, and the mm-hmm. more people are going to want to paddle with you.
1: Well, and I mean, I mean, I don't know where you're at with it, but you know, you bring up like wilderness first aid. I'm guilty as hell, man. I was a cop for years. For for years, I've I've saved people's lives. I carried around a med kit in my in my Patrol car that I built personally. I knew how to use it. You know what's not in my boat right now?
0: <laughs> For a take kit.
1: <laughs> and then it. You no, know, you and I are talking about. This is kind of. I said the other day. You and I. I like being friends with you, and I like being friends with people of intellect because you find that you get to dissect yourself a little bit more around them, and you can call yourself out on bullshit, and you do more growing. So yeah, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. I'm making a <laughs> new.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. Being able to talk to people and reflecting, because then you're like, oh shit. That's what I do. <laughs> thing is,
1: once again, the complacency, man, I, I I find that this past year that maybe it's the lack of seat time and like just everyday life's been happening. I've not been putting a ton of thought into my boating. And so when I go, it's been so sloppy, man. I mean everything from my role a friend of mine, Courtney, the other day, I was I was just messing around in the playbook in a hole and I was bringing my arms way too high up and surrendering my, my right shoulder, which I've already had a shoulder injury. And she was like, what are you doing, man? If you can't hold a tennis ball under there, you don't need to be. And I was like, dang, that's me getting complacent and lazy. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'll be the first to say I've got a lot of things to work on. But being around people of more experience, they're watching me, they're willing to give me those tips, it's huge.
0: Yeah, and I definitely think becoming complacent something we're all guilty of especially because fortunately there's not many drownings or injuries or fatalities on the river mm-hmm. so you get so complacent feeling so comfortable in these rivers thinking you're invincible and like nothing will happen but even the most skilled boaters can have fatalities and there are many have
1: well you know i uh, i watched unfortunately we didn't get to go but like i watched a lot of videos from goalie this year and i mean If you've ever been, I don't know if you have or not, but it is a a, times it's a madhouse. It's a shit show. And like (laughs) people are drinking. I mean, and I get it. Everybody's having a good time, but have you ever noticed the guys that are manning the ropes? I mean, those dudes are on point. They didn't volunteer to get down there because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah. I mean, watch these guys run these ropes and you're like, fuck, they've been practicing. They're good. (laughs) Like, that's who I want to vote with. But it's like they deserve somebody to boat with that's just as good so exactly
0: yeah so it's like if you want to be able to paddle with these people who are good you got to be good yourself and practice this stuff
1: yeah you owe it to your to your friends to your fellow boaters when you're out there i think that's i think that when you're talking to new boaters like this podcast is really for i can't stress this enough i think that i think that training is huge resource finding your resources are huge which you can reach out to either one of us. We'll be glad to give you plenty of resources. I'm I'm more like Southeast, like Tennessee area. He's a bit further North than I am, but, but between the two of us, there's plenty of resources. I'd be glad to help you out. Uh, you know, that's, I think training and then obviously, you know, having the proper equipment. I think that uh, that's probably even bigger than training. I mean, you can't train without the right gear. So, Yep.
0: And I think one of the biggest resources for me, I know they get over bad rep, but clubs, Clubs have introduced me to so many people and gotten me tons of skills. And I think they served more of a place back when we didn't have social media. So mm-hmm. they're yeah. definitely, definitely are dying down. And we'll probably have another podcast, maybe talking just about clubs or schools or more official entities. I forget where I was going with that. Like when it comes to the gear and training. Clubs are great
1: resources for gear, too. I think that's kind of what you were aiming at. Yeah, clubs
0: are great for being able to get gear and try stuff out without having to spend a bunch of money. For the Baltimore Club near me, it was $20 a year for her whole family, and you could get boats, join roll sessions. That was cheap, too. Go to beginner sessions on the river and really get you introduced into the sport with a bunch of volunteers and introduce mm-hmm. you to tons of different cool people mm-hmm. and like once you get to a certain point a certain skill level you kind of outgrow those clubs and people and they become a little cliquey clicky mm-hmm. but that's fine i mean mm-hmm. who doesn't want to paddle with the people that they know most and they can trust and rely on
1: yeah so so like it sounds like your experience with clubs was a, was a lot different than mine like PC was like my home club when I was first getting into it. In fact, they kind of like helped me rebound from such a terrible beginning experience of it. Back to like, I mean, it was winter time, so they were doing pool class, like pool roll classes at the YMCA where the water was warm. I had people that were willing to work with me, but I, I found I found that like when you started getting into those cliques, I mean, there was a lot of drama, and it became like high school. Oh, uh, definitely.
0: Well,
1: the-, <laughs> the club was phenomenal. Administration for the club, staff, the club was awesome. But yeah, so with your experiences, like club gear, I I found it to be pretty mediocre. I mean, it was great that it was a a resource, but dude. Yeah,
0: I'm not saying it was great, but it was something to use. Yeah. Fortunately, my dad bought us a bunch of gear when we first started, so I didn't have to. I don't really think I used club gear, I just know it was available. As I said, I started off with a crossover kayak that worked fine for the first few years, and had whatever cheapest PFD and helmet you could get. So stole Stolquist, and I forget the helmet, but it works. It serves you on class one, class two, until you need to start spending more money on quality gear that's going to last and can take impacts and take hits. So
1: if you if if you were going to give any advice, I mean you've got you've got quite a bit more experience than I do. If you, if you were going to give any advice to A brand new boater who's walking in off the street that says, hey, I've uh, watched Dane Jackson do some hood rat shit on a river in South Africa. I want to do that one day, but I want to start right here. What would be the first bit of advice that you would give?
0: I guess it depends on their budget. Always the fastest thing you can do is go to an official school or find a mentor and pay them. You can probably find mentors to teach you for free but the best way in any way to compensate them for their skills and times is just pay them which that's going to be more expensive so go for a school but if you don't have those kinds of funds to put towards this hobby then join a club and meet people there get instruction there use gear network with people try their gear it's don't you don't have to jump into it full force and get all brand new gear your first year or first session just try a bunch of different stuff and see what works for you.
1: Now, I would argue when when it comes to the gear aspect of it, I might be that guy, but I'm like big on like buy your own helmet, make it new, like and buy your own new PFD. Whether it's the you know a seventy five dollar Ninja and the burn helmet off of eBay, I mean, you're looking at both of those things combined being hundred and fifty bucks max. But I think that like those two safety features are huge. But yeah, I, I would agree with you.
0: Yeah, generally I tell beginners to buy brand new helmet, PFD, if they're going to be paddling the winter dry suit because you don't know how people treat it. But if you're a little more experienced or you really know and trust someone that buys and sells gear, shout out to Don Beamer at Highwater Hobbies. I've bought and used helmets from him. I think I got both my rocker full face and my rocker non full face from him used because I know that he's not going to sell me something that shouldn't be used on the river. But most people, when they're getting the sport, they might not know anyone like that that can help them get quality gear. So they should buy new, just to be safe, because you don't know how people are treating it.
1: Yeah, and that's like you know when you start you start looking at like, like gear and stuff as a new as a new boater. I mean, God, I mean, let's not even get into paddles and PFDs. I mean, holy shit. I mean, when when you're a new boater, like I don't know if you can see it, but there's a Warner Rio sitting behind my powerhouse right now because. Dude, I'm just gonna be honest with you. When you start looking at prices of things, I mean, this sport is an intimidating sport when it comes to money. It's insane. I mean, I was when I when I got back into it after I took a few years off. I was a cop. I made okay money. I didn't make great, but I still remember thinking like, damn, dude, can I really afford to get back into this? Because
0: yeah, it's super overwhelming, especially if you want like the best quality gear, which you don't need. Once again, you don't need it when you first start out. But like a carbon fiber, if you want a bent shaft or non thirty degrees, it's gonna cost you like four hundred twenty bucks. PFD normal ones like I guess fifty bucks. If it's rescue, like three hundred. Helmet anywhere from like fifty to three hundred bucks. Boat anywhere from like fifty to two thousand dollars, or three thousand if you want a carbon fiber boat. It's just it really adds up, so that's why I express the importance of just trying gear and seeing what you like.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Like that's I think that we we keep making full circles, but that's where the club culture comes in handy, man. Yeah, that's why I
0: think it's super useful to join clubs, even though I know they get such a bad rep. And yeah, it's because there's a lot of drama that can come out of it. And cl- clicks. I'm not a fan of clicks, mostly because I don't get invited to them. But I'm sure you love them if you're part of them. <laughs> Yeah, man. But, you know,
1: when it comes to clubs, like, I have, like, a I have like a bittersweet thing to it because, like, I'm pretty open. Like, getting into boating was a mental health thing for me. I took a well, while. I got into it when I was, like, 15 because I needed a community. And I saw that community being there. Took a few years off uh, when I became a cop. I worked all the time. Started noticing that I needed that support again as a cop. And, and like, club, uh, the club culture was so quick to act on that. Like, I, I came in. I'm, like, so some of these people that I've not voted with in years. And I'm like, look, I'm struggling. I need to get back into this. I need the friendship. I don't have friends. Like I worked night shift. Nobody wants to be friends with a cop, like, especially in this community. Like, love you guys, but I know you guys are all smug and dope and like doing whatever, man. Well, who cares? Like I, and so like, I was like really intimidated getting back into it, man. But then I learned something and it was like with the club culture, whether I was in a pool at role practice or I was on, a river it was hey no one cares what the fuck you do outside of here we're on the water yeah uh, so it didn't matter how shitty things were outside of it so like club culture can be toxic but I have a lot of love for it my wife she got into boating before I met her with AKC she went to the University of Alabama they have a kayaking club there she told me that like the first few role practices she went to she sat in her car and cried while they carried boats in because she couldn't go inside wow. and the woman that she is now, I, like, accredit them a lot to that. So if you're listening to this, like, don't rule out clubs. Yeah, I mean, they, they're great. Yeah, a lot of fellowship to offer.
0: I think one of the big reasons I like them is because they're pretty strict on no no drinking or using drugs while kayaking. And I think that's – those two things are often intertwined in the kayaking community, and it's terrible. Yeah,
1: and you're going to have a lot of people that are going to strongly disagree with you, Oh, right? for sure. And it's like I know you guys are out there. I know you guys are hearing it. Like, oh yeah, Sam used to be a cop.
0: <laughs> and I think yeah. that, that would be something good to dive in like more deeply in another episode as well. God, yeah, that's that's gold. Because <laughs> I feel <laughs> like that you could talk about for a while.
1: Oh yeah, I could I could go into that and not not like on the like cop aspect of it, but like like I mean I'm not afraid to admit it. Like I was an alcoholic for a long time. I'm recovering. I will always be recovering. And man, I'm tell you like. There's been times where I was on the water and I was real thirsty, you know, and didn't help me that the dude that been paddling with me all day is cracking a beer when he knows what I'm going through, or my wife, for example, it took her took her quite some time to like stop smoking stop smoking weed. She's like really struggled with that, and a lot of people don't respect it because they're like, oh, well, it's it's not addictive. Well, it was addictive
0: to her and she struggles oh. with it. <laughs> I hate when people say that shit. I'm like, anything can be an addiction. Yeah,
1: man. It's like you learn to build a reliance on it and it happened.
0: And so it's like, this is
1: supposed to be our safe place. Uh, I, I understand that, like, I understand that you guys are struggling with it, but like, out of respect maybe do it for the people around you because i also don't want to be trying to save your drunk ass either
0: exactly or i don't want someone that's has slow reaction time because they're high as hell yeah i'm supposed to be relying on them yeah and that's
1: like and i'll be honest like i think a lot of that has at least in my my region has kind of started going downhill because like i see it a few times you'll see guys that are like bubba from boone county north carolina (laughs) bought him a bought him a piranha playboat off Facebook marketplace and he's sloshed on the Nana Hala getting his ass handed to him all day. Like you might see that, whatever. But I think like for the most part, the, the community's pretty much all on all in agreement with us. And I think that like man, we see usually every year there's at least one death on the Okoy. Like let's not make it more. Yeah. I think with that like let's chill the fuck out and do this.
0: <laughs> yep. So let's discuss When do you know you're ready to step it up? Like if you're a class two or three boater, how do you know when you're ready to step it up to class three, class four? What are your
1: thoughts on that? I mean, uh... so
0: I think let's take class two, three, for example. So I'd classify that myself as intermediate beginner. And you're looking to step it up to class three, four. I'd say once you're paddling something like the lower yacht, And you're actually, instead of just bombing down the river the whole time, you're catching eddies, faring across different places from one eddy to another. You're really working those rivers that are class two and three, Mm -hmm. mostly class three, if you're looking to step it up to four, just being able to really work those rivers at your current level and be comfortable doing it, turning that river into your playground rather than being fearful of it or not confident.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Uh, like, I think a good example for me when I first got back into the sport, I think a lot of people f- don't realize. Oh well, just because I can still roll a boat doesn't mean that I've gained all these skills that I used to have. Um, so I found myself boating on the on the uh, middle Nana Halo, which kind of like if you know if you're from this region, that's uh, kind of like everybody's playground. Like that's where everybody goes. And I found myself uh, there at like Lesser Wesser, the small like Nana Falls. Found myself getting like really bad tunnel vision and stuff through there, man. And it's nothing. Like that's really nothing. And I found myself swimming there a lot. Uh, everybody was talking about, oh, well, it's it's time to run the Okoy all summer. Summer's coming. It's Okoy summer. And I'm like, the hell it is, dude. I'm not getting my ass beat all summer on the Okoy. I'm not ready. So I think like to me, when it clicked that I was like, okay, it's a you're you're good for the Okoy when I could run Lesser Wesser. I could Catch all the eddies, run, pick my line, run it successfully, and was in control the whole time. Yeah, that was like that was a big indicator for me. That was like, hey, this has become a playground to you. It's not even really that fun anymore. It's time to start easing into something bigger. But you know, I think I think like not only boating skills, but like just safety, like mental processing. Like there's a lot of things that go into stepping up, friend groups. Yeah, I'd say
0: most more of the sport is more mental than it is physical. Oh, for sure. Because if you're doing things right and you have the right technique, the water should be doing most of the work anyways.
1: Yeah, and I think that, like,
0: if you're still panicking
1: on your local runs, like on these, on these two, three runs, if you're, if you're still hitting places where you're panicky and you're super nervous, that's an indicator. You're not ready to step up. You need to learn those runs. And when, whenever those runs are no longer a challenge
0: for you, then it's time to step up a little bit. And sometimes you might even need to step it back. Yeah. I've like, done that. Like if people, I've seen people who are swimming the same river three times, every time they go. And it's like, maybe you shouldn't be on that. Maybe you should go on something simpler. And once you get good at that you get your role, then you can come back on here and work it and then get less swims. And once you stop swimming it all the time, then you'll be ready to start working it. And once you work it and make those hard moves, then you can step it up instead of just continuously swimming the thing over and over until one day you're going to get hurt and then be out of the sport recovering for a while. And yeah, I've and- definitely seen that and called people out on it. And then they're like, whatever I'm allowed to call myself a beater and make fun of myself for it. And then months later I see, Oh, I got injured. And it's like, yeah, really? <laughs>
1: well, and I think that, like, I'm sure you've seen it, but, like,
0: beater culture is
1: romanticized a lot. Mm-hmm, and I hate that shit. It's like, dude, it's like, to an extent, like, sometimes, like, for an example, yesterday we were at Montgomery, which is a safe place to swim, man. If you're going to do, if you're going to get beat, that's the place to do it. You're going to be fine. Nose up, toes up, you'll be good. There's not really, it's it's pretty low, yeah, like, low threat levels on most of that stuff. You don't have to worry about it. You know, I saw some people get getting beat yesterday. We helped them out, got them hooked up. It it happened the way the current pushed you in the wall there. It, it was set up to for you to do some beater shit. It is what it is. But I also found that, like, the people that were all there helped them out. But it wasn't like, oh, yeah, that was, that was fucking beater shit. Yeah. yeah. It, next time, let's work on this. Yeah. Let's, let's do that
0: again. Yeah, they're trying to figure out how they can learn from it. It's like everyone's going to beater, and that's – how you learn if you're just doing everything perfectly every time you're not going to learn so it definitely has its place the when it becomes a problem is when it becomes someone's whole personality or you're doing it in a non-constructive way just to make fun of people and we
1: all know one of those people there's like oh i'm a beater that's what i do and Mm -hmm. i'm like you're just not a great boater like you're not putting any work into your boating yeah because like and and i find another thing is like pride man when it comes to like stepping back down it's hard for me it's hard for me i'm a prideful bastard but like you know it, you start talking you start talking to people that have been oh it's like oh well 15 years ago i have the zen wheezy and it's like okay well that you took four years off and dude you, you, you lost half of that you're not even middle nana halo ready we, we got to get you got to get you back in a boat we got to get the boat outfitted we got to get you set up like you need to step it back bring it home yeah, it and doesn't
0: I, matter what you did 15 years ago. It matters what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah,
1: people look at like Dane Jackson a lot. People look at him a lot. Dude, he does some wild shit. It's crazy yeah. to watch. But if like, you ever like watch any interviews or like anything, like I was watching uh, an interview that he was doing a couple years back. He talked about he's like, yeah, I still swim. And it's like, I think that that is where we all should like aim to be. You should like the booty bear culture, like dude my oh, gosh yeah. just another thing <laughs> i'm so toxic it's like it's fun it's like it's fun to swim it's like but i'm not gonna shit on you for swimming yeah i swim all the time i swim at montgomery two weeks ago dude i like it is what it is and i should have yeah. been snapped.
0: and i think swimming is one of those things yeah it should be normalized but again it shouldn't be romanticized like mm-hmm. it, it happens it's going to happen. Everyone's going to do it no matter how good you are. As you said, Dane Jackson swims. There's videos of him swimming, but you shouldn't like cheer it on whenever it happens. Yeah. Like you can th- you can downplay it and make it like, "Hey, it's not a big deal it happens," but you shouldn't be like,
1: "Oh yeah, woohoo, let's go." Yeah, I think, you know, you see a lot of that like that gnarly just carnage culture uh- As a new boater, I'm sure you experience this when you get on YouTube because you're stoked, right? You're like, I got to get on YouTube. I want to watch everything boating. My life is boating. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to be about girls. I don't want to be about trucks. You know, it is boating. I don't want to eat unless it's in my boat. And uh, you start getting on YouTube and you're you're like, you're watching Green Race from, you know, whatever, 2010. And some dude is just getting gorilla pounded, dude. And you're like. Fuck yeah no not fuck yeah that is not it yeah you? that's not good <laughs> been there he didn't like this is don't romanticize that as a new boater like that's not fun it's you know it is what it is but like those guys those people are usually getting beat down because two of two things pride and being in water they should have never been in
0: yep life lack, lack of experience i actually took all the accident reports at one point from the American whitewater and put them in a spreadsheet and organized them by reason or cause of death. And a lot of it is inexperience. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, and that's the thing is like my, my inexperience, like I have so much, there's so much that I have to learn. And I I would consider myself an okay boater. There are plenty of boaters that blow me out of the water, but like over the years I've worked on my pride and I'm proud. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not too prideful to admit that there's better than me out there. Um, I'm not the best instructor. Obviously with my wife, I've learned that like, we just, I shouldn't be instructing her. Like we fight, man. I just, it, I get up on it. I'm like, but yeah, I think once again, it kind of goes back to like finding the right people to boat with, you know, just take your time. Don't romanticize being a beater. That's just not fun. There's a difference between swimming
0: and drowning. Remember that? One's going to have you paddling another day than other ones not. Exactly. We've hit on it a bunch and all over the place, but where do you find people to take you down new runs? So I'd say the biggest places for that are social media, Facebook groups, your local clubs, which are going to be on Facebook. Whenever you're at a takeout or put in, just putting out your hand, shaking people's hands, and meeting other people. Which I'm kind of an introvert, so it's hard for me to do that. Most of the time, the only way I'm going to meet someone new is either through Facebook or someone introduces me to someone else. Yeah. And another way you can do it, meet people is going to places where people are going to be, like stores that sell gear. Yeah. Meeting the people that show up. And Highwater Hobbies had a Jackson fun event, and there was a bunch of people that show up for that, and that's how I met some people there as well.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and also you when when come to, like, finding people to take you on
0: bigger runs and, like, if you're paddling with a guy,
1: like, let, let's say for an example, I'm living in Chattanooga. I'm wanting to go up to Virginia and boat, or I'm wanting to go up to South Carolina and boat. I don't know a lot of boaters up there. I don't live there. I don't do business there. Go to go to your local guys that you know that are great boaters, and you say, hey, I know that you've traveled boated. I know that you, you know a lot of better boaters. Can you recommend somebody? You know, I, I find that if you trust your local guy, you know, if you've got that one guy that, in your opinion, sets the standard and has great resources, which mine is Hunter White. I'm like his, his his biggest fangirl. I like if I had if I had to do that, I'd go to him and I'd be like, hey, who do you recommend? Who do you recommend? Yeah.
0: And then since he knows you best, he can also refer you to them and connect you one on one directly instead of having just you. And then they can vouch for you to that person. But also
1: don't be don't get your feelings hurt if that person looks at you and says, hey, not yet.
0: Yep. Don't get your feelings hurt because people do. You got to put in the work. Yeah. So how do you, when you're learning from someone or someone's giving you criticism, how do you know the right people to actually accept criticism from? Yeah, so you and I talked
1: about this the other day. This was like, man,
0: that's a hard one.
1: So knowing who to take criticism from, that's hard because you you, you have to somewhat already know what you're doing wrong to be able to, to decide whether they're right. And I always just say like, research it yourself so if somebody came to me and was like hey you need to tighten up your roll. you're reaching too far out you're going to rip your shoulder out which is the thing i'm dealing with right now i got to tighten my roll up and i didn't know that dude from adam and i wasn't 100 percent sure i'm probably going to go get on youtube uh i know that like there's tons of professional boaters out there that have tutorials on youtube on how things should look how things should be i know you share them all the time on facebook i do i think that like if you don't know the person, be careful who you take the criticism from. Be careful what you put into practice that they give you, because some people—I'm guilty of it—have no business teaching you something. Yeah. And there, there's going to be a lot of know-it-alls. This community's super big and like super extroverted people who are know-it-alls. Yeah. Watch out for them. Those, those are landmines.
0: I think this is kind of how how I know who to take criticism for basically every area in your life is I go by pretty much look for the people who are in the place that you want to be or have accomplished the goals that you want to accomplish. That's one thing I say to explain it is kind of, you wouldn't take advice from a fat doctor about how to lose weight. So if I want to paddle class five, I'm going to take class five advice from a class five paddler, not a class four. Yeah. If I take advice about swift water. I'm going to go to a swift water instructor or someone I've seen actually use this stuff in practice. And Don uh, Beamer at Highwater Hobbies is the perfect example of someone I would paddle with and trust with in my life, because I've paddled with him and I see I see how he helps people. We're going down a rapid, and I come out the end of the rapid, and he's standing on a rock with his throw rope ready, mm-hmm. or he's posted videos of him in rescue situations where he's the one leading. He knows all these knots and everything that you need to know to help someone on the river. So just mm-hmm. and that's a good way to find people to paddle with too is just by looking watching people in the river, seeing the skills they put put those people in the mental list and saying yeah. hey these are the kind of people I want to paddle with.
1: Yeah, and I find that like kind of like you were saying, you know, you're coming down a rapid. He went down. He said he he went down. He's the first out of his boat. I find that those guys, man, like that. Like I, I think of times like, and I think that that goes just into your, like into life in general, not just on the river. I, I find a lot of life lessons in, in boating and like, that's huge. Like always look for the person who's willing to lead the way and be the first out of their boat to help you out. Whether that's on the, whether that's at your job, whether that's in your religious practices, like find the person who's willing to say, let me show you how to do it, but I'm there when you fuck it up. Yep. I think that's huge, man. And I think that like, Those people are so far and in between. And when you do find them, don't be afraid to brag on them. Go to those people. Tell them how much you appreciate that stuff because it matters.
0: Like that's huge. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people aren't told they're appreciated enough. So when you say that, they'll probably remember it. And I'm also guilty of that, of like saying things, but then not actually practicing it. So it's good to find those people who, when they say things, they actually back it up with action.
1: Yeah, and I think that, like, for example, you know, like I, I've told you several times, tonight, like I'm by no means a world-class boater, but like I, my wife, she she won't really boat unless I'm boating with her. Yeah. And uh, and I talked about that yesterday, and I was like, so why is that? Like, if if they did a girls' takeover of the Okoi, like, oh, she's not Okoy ready, but for example, like if they did, like, why why wouldn't you go? And it meant a lot to me. It was, it was very honorable that she like, brought it up to me. She was like, because I know that no matter what, you've got me. Like no matter what. Even if you have to run upstream and swim out to me, you will get me. And I'm like, dude, you're right. And I think that like that is huge, man, because those people are few and far between. And I'm I'm blessed to say that I've paddled with a few of them. You made a post the day on
0: Facebook that was like,
1: "What's one person you know that like would risk their life for you, essentially?" And
0: had uh, a whole list.
1: (laughs) Dude, that's the thing. Is like, I'm blessed to have found these people that I can surround myself with and I trust. Like. It was kind of stupid, but like, this was last winter, I think probably in December. I was boating in the, the middle of It was It was a little bit up. It was freezing that day. I was dicking off in a creek boat. It got a little bit complacent. Got myself in a weird pin up against this rock where I couldn't roll up. And I uh, kind of was just like, pen. my body was pinned between the boat and the rock. And I was still in the boat. I was able to get my head up enough to, to yell out that I was pinned. My boy, Tony, slid right in there, put himself in a, I would say like a, warm spot probably not the safest but dude didn't give it a second thought like he was in it and i was like man, that's all i needed to know was that you were going to be there man and he he like just reached over and pulled me right up and we were out of it but it was it was silly but dude that meant a lot to me and oh, So I'll, yeah i'll always brag on that kind of stuff man but there's also a difference between that and being trying to be a hero when you're not ready so take that yeah, into account.
0: or else you can make it so two people are now in trouble
1: Correct. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. Also, I I know that like when it comes to like new boaters, like in your area, I know that you had talked about doing some instructional classes for like the the beginning boater. Is that still something like you're, you're trying to pursue?
0: Yeah, I definitely want to get into instruction full time and doing trips. Yeah. I just have so much to learn myself. Because there's a, there's a big gap between actually knowing the skills and being able to teach them. Yeah. I know the skills, but it, a lot of them are automatic. So you don't really think about how to break it down into simple steps that other people can understand. And then when you're only going to get that by teaching people. And when you are able to do that, it's going to make not only their skills better, it's going to make your skills better. And I definitely, while I was teaching over the summer, got better by teaching other boaters.
1: So was that something that, like, lack- when new boaters are watching this or listening to this podcast, is that something that you would, you would be open to start working with new boaters? Do you feel like you're, you're ready? Like you feel like you're to that point where you're ready to start teaching new boaters?
0: Yeah, definitely. We can work on different, we can work on rolling. We can work on different strokes, proper technique, because <laughs> it's really important to have that strong foundation. And I think yeah. one of the most important things you can just start off off the bat is just getting comfortable being underwater. Cause that's where you're going to spend a lot of time, especially when you're new. So it's best to just get really comfortable with that off the bat or else you're it's just going to make everything else more difficult because you're not going to want to flip. So what kind of, what kind of, what kind of skills do you look for in a safe and reliable paddling partner? Ah,
1: interesting. I would, I think that like what I'm looking for is uh, someone who's mindful. And I, I think that we've kind of touched on that a little bit already, but like, I'm not looking for the guy who has the bomb proof role. I'm looking for the guy who's mindful enough to say, Hey, I need to tighten up my role hey i need to go take that rescue rodeo i'm looking for the person who has the mindfulness enough to say i need to grow and in in doing that we'll grow together and so when i'm looking for like a safe and reliable boater i'm looking for someone who's able to critique themselves and still be critiqued that's
0: Uh, good yeah I think for me, I'm going to use, I'm going to keep using Don as an example because he's a fucking badass. Yeah. So if, if we're breaking down Don into the skills, so knows your swift water rescue, your knots, your first aid, stuff like that. And you touched on it a little bit is being able to self critique and know your own limits. Some rivers I named and he, he has the ability to do it, but he's like, I'm never going to do that. It's not worth the risk. So he knows his skills. He knows his limits and he reacts in a way that's automatic. It's muscle mm-hmm. memory. He doesn't have to think about these things. It just happens. And he's always going to have your back, and you can pretty much just trust him with their life if you had to. Yeah. And he's always prepared ahead of time without you having to say something or mention it. He's already there, as I said, down the rapid with his rope out, ready to save your ass. Yeah. And then yeah. knowing the river, whenever we're on the Upper Yacht, like I just go down the normal lines. But when I'd paddle with him, He's like taking on you know, all these fun lines, these more challenging lines to really push you and challenge you on the river and help you grow as well.
1: Yeah. I think that like, there's always going to be that person that gets more seat time than you. If you work a full-time job, dude, I can promise you there's some guy living in a van down by the river who is every day. Yeah. Uh, that dude's probably going to know that river. Yep. You know, uh, don't be afraid to like, listen to how he would navigate it. Cause he's probably ran it 400 times that summer and he's probably not bathed in two months. So, <laughs>
0: I'm saying like i'm gonna come back to that after i say this and then the last thing i'd say is being on time there are so many people who just show up like so late and it's just so disrespectful to people if you want to be paddling with people and have groups to paddle with you need to show up on time and if you say you're going to be there be there don't cancel last minute don't show up an hour late no one's going to want to paddle with you if you continue to do that there's people with whole reputations built on being late and then they wonder why people are like oh, I don't want to paddle with you. And then they're on Facebook being like, no, it's a paddle with me. It's like, yeah, because you're always fucking late.
1: Oh, for sure. And I think and I think to kind of like piggyback on that, it's like the guy who shows up late, hungover, don't fucking think you're going to paddle with me. Like, it's not happening, dude. Yep. I don't don't show up to the river if you're not on your best. I don't care if it's a class two and they just taught a paddle school here two weeks ago. Like, I don't care, man. Don't show up and put everyone else at risk. Like... If you can't be on time and you can't be ready to be, to paddle when you get there, then... Don't be there don't...
0: at all. <laughs> and there's people that I paddle with that are late, but it's once in a while. It's not every time, and it's only like 10 or 15 minutes because of traffic. Something out of their control, but it's once in a while. It's not every time, all the time, and that's fine. I can forgive that. Most of the time, they're the only one I'm paddling with anyways, so I'm going to wait. <laughs> but if you're always late i'm leaving your ass you're gonna have to go find another group to paddle with or do your shuttle
1: yeah if i say that i'm hitting the water at ten thirty, that means like i'll wait i'll wait for you till 11 but i'm not waiting any later than that mm. but you 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 have to kind of set up an itinerary when you're running rivers because you want to give yourself time to practice techniques to play and still get down in a safe amount of time like I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but dude, we've had, when I was younger, there were a couple times where we hit the river a little bit later than we wanted to, some mishaps happened, And the next thing you know, you're coming off of a river at night, like it's dark mm-hmm. and that's unacceptable.
0: Unacceptable. And a lot of these rivers are dam release based. So if you take too long, you're going to be behind the bubble and scraping on rocks. Or carrying your shit down the road. Exactly. And no one wants, no one wants to do that. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: I think you're exactly right. Like being on time is huge, and I think that's huge for new boaters. You're you're not going to find a lot of respect from people who have been doing it for a long time if you're not going to respect the time they set aside for you.
0: Exactly. And I want right. to I want to circle back to where you were talking about boat time and experience. I think it's really important to differentiate the two because someone who's been paddling for 15 years but only paddled 10 days a year. Is going to be way less experienced than someone who's only paddled for three years but gets on the river 300 times a year. So It's important also when taking advice from someone is to know how much boating they're actually doing. Because I was probably three or four years in and I met this guy, Brandon Thompson, who was going to Little Falls in D.C. and paddling three or four times a week. And... We went to the what's called the shoots, little surf wave in DC, and he was—he looked at me and was like, "What are you doing, dude? Why are you paddling with your arms? You need to use your core." And I'm thinking to myself, "This guy's been paddling for two, like two years. Fuck this guy." But then later, I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> he was right. I need to use my core." So also, just because someone's not as experienced, you can still learn a lot from them.
1: Yeah, and I—I I, I would say, like, with that being said you're going to get invited to a lot of like group paddles. I'm just going to be honest. You're not going to get a lot from a paddle event that there's more than four boaters. I'm just going to be real with you. Like when there's four boaters, everybody's there, they're showboating for each other. Nobody's there to really instruct you. And that's not their job. Like you have to remember that. Like you can't go with these expectations. Like, Oh, this guy's been boating for, he's been boating every day for two years. He's going to teach me something. And you go to a paddling event or like a group of, 10 plus he's
0: not man he yeah you can't expect that stuff it's really disrespectful to someone's time and experience if you want that kind of personal attention you need to pay for it there's plenty of people that are willing to do it for free no doubt about that but you can't expect it if they're happy to help and show you that's fine but you you just never should be expecting it or feeling entitled to it
1: and you can be forward about it. Like I, like, I, like I've been very forward before I've gone to, to better paddlers and been like, Hey, I know that you're going to, I know you're going to be in this area for two weeks. I know you're going to be doing a lot of boating. Would you have any free time to maybe give me some instruction? I'm willing to pay you. Or if you're not willing to pay them, like I knew a lot of great boaters from Chattanooga. I might hit them up on Facebook and be like, Hey, I could really use some good instruction. Would you be willing to to come out and paddle with me? I don't have any money right now, but that's this is where I'm at. And a lot of times, dude, they're just going to be they're going to yeah, man. They'll yep. they'll if they have it, they'll make it.
0: Yeah, just ask. Don't be afraid to ask. All the worst thing can just tell you is no. Yeah, most yeah. people are m- most people are more than happy though. And then one more thing I wanted to add to some skills for a reliable partner is one thing I look out for personally is. When I go down a rapid, behind someone, are they looking behind them at the end? And that's something I take note of. And that's something I practice myself is every time I get at the end of the rap, I'm rapid, I'm looking behind me to make sure everyone's doing okay, no one's pinned, no one's getting in trouble. Because if you're paddling, I've paddled rivers for the first time and the person leading me didn't look back a single time. And I'm not going to s- give specific details about who they are because they're well known, but it just doesn't make you feel safe you want to make sure everyone's feeling safe and comfortable and that's by looking out for each other.
1: Yeah. So kind of like an experience that I've recently had, this took place, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. We were at Montgomery Whitewater. They've got like a competition side that that can be pretty aggressive under the right flows. The eddies are super churny, super uh, recirculating. It can be a bitch, man. Like I'm pretty confident on it. I had a couple of boaters that I was, that I was with It was like, hey, we want to try. I was in a creek boat. I was like, yeah, man, I'll leave. And that's kind of like a big thing that I try to do. Always like, it, even if the water is kind of crazy, I try to find an eddy, at least something I can see what everybody, how everything's going. So I, I just remember we got, we probably got a quarter of the way in. I dropped into an eddy, turned around, there was a swimmer. So immediately like, you know, it's low risk there. You're not going to get hurt swimming. He was nose up, toes up. So I immediately start gathering gear and he was a newer boater. I normally wouldn't have let him try it because it was low risk. I was like, you know what? You can at least see why we say we need you need to stay on the other side. When he got down to the bottom, man, I had, like, eddied out his boat for him. I had already popped skirt, got out of mine. I was helping pull boats up. like, And, man, it kind of pissed me off because he had, like, he had the nerve to come up to me and was like, man, where were you? I was like, dude, I caught an eddy. I watched you do the whole swim. I can tell you why you didn't come up, all this stuff. But in his head, because I wasn't there to grab him, in the moment where he was scared, it was my fault, and it kind of taught me something. It was like, dude, I don't want to vote with that guy anymore because he didn't take any accountability, and he never once said thanks for grabbing my shit. You know, yeah. I was just, oh, man, never mind. We we won't be doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just being thankful and grateful and thanking people for helping you out is a big deal. Yeah,
1: just because, like, you know, like, kind of like you said, it's it's awesome. You, you want to know if they're turning? If somebody's turning around and looking at you, that's a big thing. But don't expect them to look over their shoulder. When they're catching those eddies that you know that you would miss, that's probably because they're there to watch you. Looking over your shoulder is probably not always the safest thing because we all know you look, you go where you're looking. So yep. uh, I, I see those guys are catching every eddy just to see how everybody's doing. That guy who might let you pass him, but he's gonna blow past you again. Like he's playing, you know, he's bouncing around to make sure he's he's keep keeping up with you, watching out for you, running safety. And that's the guy I'm looking for. This guy, like I, I aspire to be, like the guy who has the abilities to do that. But I, th- I think, kind of like we said earlier, just be thankful for the guys who give a damn, who who give it a shot to help you out, because nobody owes you shit.
0: Yep. At the end of the day, you're responsible It's I know it's a group sport, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself.
1: Yeah, you're responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your own gear, and if you're lucky enough to paddle with people who will take care of you and your gear. Take note of that. Those guys are good guys. It's not fun having to bulldoze somebody's boat to the fucking bank. It sucks. Yeah. It, it, it uses a lot of energy. Be grateful for those guys because he could have said, "Fuck you and your boat. I'm here to paddle for myself." And to be honest, your boat would probably be fucked or pinned somewhere. Yep. And it would probably be out a four hundred dollar paddle. So. Yep.
0: So it's always good to be self-sufficient in. Don't expect help, but when you get it, be very appreciative of it. And most people are. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, and will most of the time. But you should always be responsible for yourself.
1: Yeah, and you'll learn you'll learn those skills on that class one, those class twos. Don't be afraid to live there for a while. It's okay. Like if if you can't at least locate your boat after a swim in a class one two, then you need you probably need to stay there. Yeah. Until you're able to until you're able to rescue yourself. Don't always wait for someone else to do it. Be a team player by helping yourself.
0: Yeah, last thing you want to do is step up to something you're not ready for, have a terrible swim, and then burn yourself out and get scared and leave the sport.
1: Yeah, and don't be afraid of like, I mean, I hate to say this, but when you step, and I'm I'm sure you've experienced this or at least seen it, when you step up to those three and fours, don't let busted knuckles scare you. Don't let a broken nose scare you. Like, you're going to see these things because accidents happen mistakes are made on the river as a new boater i remember like when i was a teenager that shit scared me dude my dumb ass was running around with a full face on on like class one twos because i was like hell no i'm not getting my nose <laughs> dude just calm down accidents are gonna happen odds are you're gonna get your nose broken if you paddle for 15 years you're probably gonna get a scrape or a boo-boo I'm like no.
0: i always come home with random scrapes or scars that i don't know what they're from but from yesterday
1: like i like my legs are bruised up like it.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's an extreme sport. At the end of the day, there's inherent risks, and you have to accept those and be willing to deal with them.
1: Yeah, uh, I think kind of kind of, just to kind of recap the whole night, I think that the big thing is, is is take your time. Take your time for sure. I'm still doing it. I'm sure you still are. There's rivers that I'm not going to get in that I'll go watch. I'll go learn by washing, but I'm not going to get in those rivers. I'm going to take my time, and when I'm ready, then I'm ready.
0: Yep, mostly just take your time. Don't be afraid to... Stay in one class forever or however it takes for you to step it up. have a good attitude, be willing to learn and take criticism from people who know what they're talking about. I feel like just having a good attitude and willing to learn and work on yourself is going to get you a lot of people pad- wanting to paddle with you. What are some of the struggles you've found with finding people to paddle with? I think in today, like with today's time with social media, I mean what year did you start with 2017 or 2017 2013? Okay,
1: well, then, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I first started voting, man, like social media, like you had Facebook. No one yep. even, like, Instagram was there, right? Like, no one was using that for anything other than, you know, to post pictures of them doing cool stuff. So, like, it was hard, man, because, like, even on Facebook, uh, it's it so scarce. To, I think that, like, the sport itself has really exploded. So, it's easier today. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I think social media has made it fairly easy, man, to find decent voters um, and to find reputable people. Uh, you'll find, like, moths to a flame. Boaters who are eager to learn will hover around good boaters. They will. Dane Jackson goes to any event, you're going to find 50 white boys that are just, like, on their knees worshiping him. Watch for that stuff. You know, like, I fan girl Hunter White. Yeah, we all have those guys. And, like, these are guys who are who are serious about it. The, these are guys that you should watch. Um, I think uh, I think that with, the, with the way that this sport has grown, I think it's easy these days. My second round in this has been pretty easy. But at first, I can tell you it was it was brutal. A lot of trial and error there.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier, but I still think there's some difficulties. A lot I've probably done to myself because yeah. when, when I've – my first few years, and I still do it, as I, I post a lot of political shit, and that really mm-hmm. pushes people away. So, But to me, Facebook is kind of like my place to vent, which then it scares people away but it also brings me the people that are probably better quality for me and that I have similar values with and we'll have a better time with on the river. And I don't drink, I don't smoke. So it's hard to fit in with a lot of groups because that's pretty common in this sport. And if you don't do that stuff, then pe- some people aren't as willing to paddle with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, like I'm not, I'm not a cop anymore. I gave that up. That's Just what a for- cop would say. Yeah, no, like yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids got any drugs? No. <laughs> but uh, I remember when I got first got back into this. That was hard because you know when you first start. You're small talking with people, and you're like getting you're getting into the community. People are going to be like, "Oh, well, what do you do outside of boating?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm a cop. I'm not going to lie to you." And I, I found that a lot of people were very distant with me. I found that I didn't get invi- invited to a lot of things. Now, those are people. I'll be honest; those are people who were small-minded, and
0: and I'm glad that I don't boat with them. It's kind of a good thing because it kind of weeds out the shitty people.
1: Yeah, and that's like a funny thing. Like my friend Tony, man. I, I like I think he's a phenomenal person, great boater. He smokes, man, and I, like he's quite quite a bit younger. He's things like 22, 23. But well, when we first started boating last year, he was like fresh out of college. He was getting ready to graduate. He was smoking a lot. He was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a cop. And he la- we laughed about it all the time. But he was like, when you said that, we were already on the river. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> it is what it is. I, but like, I, I don't know, man. I think kind of like you said, this is, a, this is a very diverse community. And I, like, I find myself to be a pretty like pretty based libertarian like, fella politically. So like, I'm okay with, you know, I'm pretty, uh, pretty open to anything you and I've had some pretty deep, like, you know, conversations and I've had to remove some things off Facebook because people get their feelings hurt. Whatever, man. (laughs) Can't let that stuff go. You can't put that shit aside. Like, I tell you, I saw a post, it was a political post from that one paddler had posted, and another voter said, "I hope that I don't ever see you drown on the drowning on the river because you won't get any help from me. Fuck you for that." You know what I'm saying? I've
0: seen the same thing directed at me and I'm like, "Okay, well, at least I know I'm not going to ever want to paddle with you."
1: Yeah, if you're that kind of voter and your political stuff is going to come onto the river and you're not going to be able to put that shit aside, fuck you. I don't <laughs> away from me. I don't got nothing for you. Like, I don't care what what your opinions are. I don't care what you do in a bedroom. I don't care about any of that, man. If you're drowning on a river, I'll be the first one to do anything I can to help. Yep. If you're not going to do that for me and mine, stay away from me. Stay off the water. Yep. Like, Get out of the
0: community. You, you don't belong here.
1: Yeah, you, you've you got to be – I'm not saying that you have to accept everyone's lifestyle and political, cho- yeah, political choices and stances, but, like, honestly, on the river, on the water – that's not the place for it. And honestly, if you're that small-minded, then I think most of us are probably aren't going to want to vote with you anyway. If you can't be open to have a discussion, then you're probably not going to want to be voted with anyway. Yep.
0: I figure let's end it on how do you judge someone's skills before paddling with them on the water?
1: Ah, oh, I think like
0: by finding out what they've paddled in the past. I think that that's like a huge
1: thing. If, if I ask you what you've paddled and you're like, oh, well, I've paddled the middle Danahela, the Kusa the scene that's about that's about my paddle experience. I'm about, okay, well, probably the hardest of us three is the middle Nanahala. I'm going to assume that that's the peak of your paddle experience. We're not going to the Okoy this weekend. Not yes, by.
0: just having that river resume ready. And, yeah. like, it's obviously flawed because tons of people just paddle a river and bomb it and just get down it. But it's a good way, just, like, a good entry-level way to know if someone is ready for the river and yeah. You can test them on the water, but by the time they're on the water, it's kind of, kind of late. Yeah,
1: I think I think like kind of a safe bet there is to assume that if somebody tells you, "Oh, well, I've paddled the Okoi," that the Okoi is their peak, like just mm-hmm. automatically know that you to be on the safe side, you can just tell yourself the Okoi was really challenging for them, and I should watch that. Yeah, I think the safest way. But it, just because somebody says they have paddled something doesn't mean that they should have. Or that they actually did,
0: yeah. And if you have your doubts, you can always just ask them questions to dive deeper into it as well. And in other ways, just ask who they paddled with or people that can vouch for them, yeah. And if it's a person you trust, well, then you're like, okay, they have good judgment. If once again, if Don said this person's good, they're probably fine,
1: yeah. Like, if if if, if you came to me and like, oh, well, some there's this guy that's down in Alabama that that's looking for people to paddle with, he you know, he's my friend, I think he's a good boater you know, I, I'm going to take your word for it because I trust you. I, I'm I'm going to take your word for it because you're, you're, you know, you're a pretty notable character in the community. I don't think you're going to put me in a bad spot. I trust your judgment. And if that's what you say, then I'll probably go with it. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think the resume just went like who you've paddled with, what you've paddled. Another weird thing is look at the boats that they paddle, right? If you've got a guy who's like, the, the Nana Halo is the easiest thing I've ever boated in my life. It's it's so easy, and I'm like, well, what are you what are you paddling in? And, and he's a 150 pound, five foot six dude, and he's paddling, you know, God, I,
0: a large nerve.
1: or or like a, a Scorch X. I'm gonna be like, uh, yeah, okay. Or you know, if he comes to the, if he comes to me, and he's like, yeah, I, I enjoy you know, play boating all the way down the Okoy. I enjoy you know, working the river. I paddle a rock star, I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's a, that's a boat. You really have to work on that river. So I think that like just, just the full resume. I mean, I think I would, I would look at first what rivers they've paddled, who they've paddled with and what they're paddling.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a good, good list of things to ask. And it's definitely something I struggle with is judging someone else's abilities. Cause you can't really do it until you're on the water fully because to me, if someone drives three hours to a river it's, it's really hard to want to turn them down because you're like, oh, shit, they drove so far. And I've made that mistake is I took people down a river that was flooded, but I was like, hey, I can do this. You guys all drove three hours to be here. Let's do it. And fortunately, it went well. We only had one swim and they were fine. But in hindsight, should have turned them away or but found think, something else to do.
1: I think that's why we should go back to our smaller rivers. Like us as experience, like we're... Us as paddlers, we're growing in experience. Don't be afraid to go back to your small rivers and paddle with people there. Make new friends in your small ponds and grow from there. Yeah. If if you take them to a class two run and they swim 10 times, well, then, they. hey, this guy's a cool guy, but he swam 10 times on a class two run. I think I should just paddle class two, class one with that boater, even flat water, and then we go from there. I'm not saying don't be friends with people who aren't in your, your field. But I think that uh, don't be don't be afraid to go back to these smaller runs and practice because that's where you're gonna make your that's where you're gonna make your friends both new boaters and experienced
0: boaters. Yep, and I'd say most of the people I paddle with are either my skill of or below because I paddle on a lot of rivers that are very easy because I mostly just play boat. I've spent very little time in a creek boat, and I actually just bought one, so I'm gonna start pushing myself on those harder runs because I know that by Pushing myself on those harder runs, I'm gonna have more fun, and then I'm also gonna be able to take those skills into my teaching and help people.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll be interested to see how you know how you perform going from playboating for for the most part, just strictly play playboating into creaking, because like I was the opposite because of my size. Creek boats are super easy for me to get that. that you know, for the most part, I can find creek boats that are gonna fit. Like, yep. but below this, I've got a uh, Recon ninety three. A lot of people hate it. I love that boat. I think it's great. It's a creek boat. I paddled it for a while, and I like going into going into play boating was a struggle for me at first because I was just like, "God damn, dude! I'm flipping over in. I'm getting my ass handed to me. I, like anytime I hit an eddy, I'm stern squirting. Like what the hell do, am I doing wrong?" So I, I would be interested to see how that goes from play boating into creaking. You should wear a GoPro for your for your first. I need to get
0: one. I always get one and then I sell it because I don't use it. And then I'm like, hey, I want a GoPro again. Then I get it, don't use it, sell it (laughs) because I always ruin it with water droplets.
1: Well, that's my like. I've got one I would send to you. I've got like a
0: GoPro's like
1: Hero Seven White, but like for some reason holds moisture behind the lens. And Uh, I
0: I think that's a common GoPro problem I've seen. Yeah, I don't know how to fix it, so i will just kind of feel like it would be a good point to wrap this up. And then we can keep talking after. So thanks guys for joining us for wild perspectives. And hopefully we gave you some information to learn about how to find more paddlers and as well as a a bunch of gear talk that we had in the beginning, all these podcasts are going to be, have a basic theme, but then we're also going to go off on tangents and it's going to be pretty raw. So Hopefully you guys enjoyed that and follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast and join us for for our next episode.